everybody and welcome to the 10th episode of the Kent Non-League Football Podcast. 10 weeks, wow, it's uh, another jam-packed show this week. We've got four interviews coming up um, from various levels of the uh, Kent Non-League pyramid. Um, I'm John Phipps as always and I'm joined by Matt Gerrard. How are you, Matt? You were just telling me you had a bit of a long trip last night. Yeah, I got back. It was always seems to be the way the M20 was shut. So for the end to go around the outskirts of Pipe and, and focusing to get back on it. But that was a, a, a good evening, it was a good game and... Uh, I enjoyed it. Ten double figures, eh? Not many people thought we'd get that far, would they? No, they wouldn't. So, um, anyway, we like to mix up where we start the, uh, the the podcast when we talk about our different teams. But this week, it seems right to start at the very top of the National League. Well, oh, all right then, second spot in the National League, where we find Dover Athletic. I sat here last week and I said to you, Matt, I definitely think we won't be talking about a Dover defeat on, uh, on Tuesday night. It was a close run thing. Um, after their win on Saturday, which they again scored quite late, they went back to the top of the table. And then on Tuesday night, a 2-2 draw at Sutton. Sounds like a cracking game at Gander Green Lane, Matt. Tell me all about it. Yeah, it was a good game. Um, Sutton are a very good side. Um, I thought um, good, good crowd there. It's over 2,000. Good atmosphere. They were first half an hour played really well. Um, created some chances. They got the reward. Um, then Carlo Gallifuco with his third goal of the season. He's been a, a good player for David. He's been solid at the back. This was a lovely finish as well. Free in the penalty area for a free kick. Swiveled and turned and put the ball in the back of the net. And up to that point, it's what David deserved. Could have been a couple of updates from that point of view. Then um, Sutton came more into the game just before half time, and David looked solid. And as the game got on, David had a couple of chances in the second half, but then Sutton put on um, three substitutes and they really made a difference. You had uh, Craig Dundas, who had a loan spell at Tunbridge last year. He's a big man, he caused some problems up with Lafayette. Uh, Tommy Wright, who scored an absolute worldy uh, left footed first touch into the corner, nothing to do about that. And most impressive of all, Nicky Bailey, you know, the former Charlton man who was spent two million pounds on. He was like playing at quarterback, quarterback role at the back and he was pinging it around. And David really couldn't cope with him. So the payment, they were bombarding Dover and Dover were defending. Balls into the air played into their strength. It was the second balls down and both goals were tidy finishes from outside the area. But you think, oh, that's a shame that, because David looked pretty solid this season. But then they showed real character at the end. Uh, Manny Parry, got on the end of it but full credit to Conor Essam because he did arch his back I thought the ball was going out of play he headed it across and Manny Parry who we spoke to before the game and he was the only one David player who had an experience in the 3G pitch so we were talking about that So because he had a year at Maidstone he said I don't didn't score many goals and uh, he banged one in the last minute so we all got very excited on the, on the commentary and uh, pleased for him as well and pleased for David you could see what it meant from that because the, uh, the celebrations the final whistle from the Dover staff players with the fans really means something so I think that's a, a good point to go on by the end of the season because Sutton will definitely be up there you mentioned uh, Dundas there. I remember a couple of years ago, Matt, you and I were at uh, Margate against Sutton and uh, he came on and I think we were both in agreement that you wouldn't want to meet him in a dark alleyway, would you? No, he's an absolute monster but he's an absolute handful as well. You know, he's a fitness coach at, at Sutton so he's very tall, very muscly and uh, brought him up with Lafayette and there was a real battle from there. He's a good player, Dundas, you know, 400 games and, stuff, and over 100 goals and it lifted the crowd as well. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't mess with him, but he's a good player. A real good National League player. Basically there to rough people up, you know, as a centre forward. And he, and he does it really well. Yeah, and, and obviously after the game, Matt spoke to Manny Parry about his goal. David defended Manny Parry alongside me at last minute equaliser. I think you enjoyed that, didn't you? Yeah, you know, to get, get something from the game and to get late on, you know, I was buzzing and obviously my first goal because I don't score much, but when I do... I've got to enjoy the celebration, you know. 
I think your defensive partner kind of deserves a bit of credit because he really arched his neck to put it across from there and it was a, a striker-type finish from you. Yeah, no, Connor done well to keep it in. I thought it was going to go out, but he, he never gave up on it. And, you know, I think I'm a bit of a fox in the box, so I think <laughs> it was a good finish. I, I had an air shot before, so I had to make up for it. Yeah, does that feel like three points? It's a tough old game. This is a tough place to come to. 2-1 down, last kick of the game. The celebrations are matched. It looks like a winner. Yeah, I think, you know, for about 60 minutes, I thought we were good. But, you know, they were always going to have a spell being the home team. And, you know, once they got on top, you know, they they started picking up second balls. And, you know, we had to dig deep. And, you know, the boys here, we never give up. So to get a point away from home at Sutton, I think is good. So everyone enjoyed that, you know. And I think it will be a good point come the end of the season. Goals you can see, it's only the second time you can see two goals, but there are a couple of wonder strikes in there, weren't there? Yeah, to be fair, I think, I think you know, they threw a lot at us and we defended the box well, but, you know, the second balls and, you know, they were two good strikes. You know, the second one zipped off the surface. So, you know, sometimes people score like that. All in all, it's a very tight division at the moment. You're looking at the league table because it's really changing the top 10 really by a couple of points. Do you sense it's going to be a really tight league this year? Yeah, you know, everyone's beating everyone and, you know, people are top every every week, someone different at the top. So I think it's not going to settle down for a long time. So we just got to focus on keep picking up points, you know, and then come the end of the season, hopefully we'll be there or thereabout. So you've got good characters in the dressing room, just keep at the top. Yeah, everybody here is hungry, you know, determined, work hard and, you know, we all get along. So everybody will be fighting until the end. You know, everyone wants to be successful here. Flight to Torquay on Saturdays, that's just something different, isn't it? Yeah, it's different for me, but, you know, the chairman, credit to him, wants to do it properly, so we have to just take advantage of it and get to Torquay and, you know, try and get a result there. Final thing, when you put your head on the pillow tonight, you'll be dreaming of that goal, won't you? Yeah, I'm not going to forget that one, and I'm going to make sure no one forgets that training on Thursday, so I'm going to enjoy that one for a while. Interesting chat there, Matt, I thought, with uh, with Manny Parry, and, and he mentioned the celebrations. Did he go a bit wild, did he? I think everybody sort of went well in the thing. All the Dover players, staff were off the bench. And he was in the crowd. And again, it's funny because the Dover result on Saturday against the Solihull, I come out of the ground and um, we're top of the league. And I'm sort of, you know, I wasn't really sort of happy. I don't know why, but you're more happy after a last minute equaliser, the 95th minute, the last kick of the ball to get a point there. Uh, that was on Saturday. But yeah, the celebrations are good. And that's what football is all about. It does get a bit sanitised, but there's no reason not to go absolutely mental from a player's point of view when you scored for the equaliser in the 90th minute, and they made the most of it. I'm sure it's on the National League website, it will be on there shortly, but definitely watch it. But good celebrations, and uh, yeah, a good point, that's all I can say, and I think uh, David will be pleased with that. And Parry, I mean, it's interesting characters. Now, I know when he joined Margate at the start of last season, a lot of people have been surprised that he'd been let go by Maidstone. And Nicky Ball, when I spoke to him at the time, thought he was a real catch to get hold of him and obviously didn't work out for him at Margate didn't work out for anyone at Margate last season but he, he seems to be settling in quite well at Dover Yeah well, my, my concerns with him uh, he'd he get bullied by centre-halves um, in this league because as I say like people like Dundas Lafayette got Cooks of the Tranmere who are big centre-forwards who try and bully defenders but that's what I've been impressed with him about much he does not much gets in his way he had a, you know he's in a bit of a rough run because it made some, you know he did really well was released when they got promoted Went to Margate, also went to Braintree, of course. They were relegated at the end of the season. So, he got a bit to prove. So, and, and he works well with Essam and uh, Gally Foucault at the back there. He's a good, muscly man. And he likes a, a challenger. And he's impressed me. Cause I, I never really thought he was a, a top-level player. But over in 13 games for, say, for Dover, 
you know, he's, he's a solid player and he won't let you down and he, he won't shirk a challenge and that's what we, we can ask for against a big set of forwards. I was going to ask you about a couple of other Dover players as well and, and you mentioned him earlier, but Galifuco, um it sounds like a commentator's nightmare, to be honest, when you look at his name, but he, he seems to have been a bit, a bit of a, a gem for Dover so far this season. As you say, he's got a few goals and, and certainly doing doing a good job for Chris Kinnear. Yeah, he's, he's turned into a real fan's favourite there. Again, centre-half again. He's, he takes over the Richard Ordu role, the name before. He basically is the man marker, follows players all over the pitch. So you have to be, you know, a good mindset to do that. So he could be, you know, in his own penalty area one minute, then following somebody who's tracking back defending in the other end and he's got three goals his goal last night was perfect Plenty made some space in the penalty area spun on a sixpence rifled it into the back of the net after his other two previous goals have been um, uh, headers so yeah I think he's done a, a good job but David defensively I think there's only 10 goals they've conceded now so nothing they can really do about the ones last night they'll, they'll be pleased about it they look solid at the back and Connor Essam he's probably back to the form of the first like, season Dover had in the National League when he was playing right back he's playing sweeper now but he had a good season and I think Essam, now he's sort of settled. You know, he's been at four different spells at Dover around the house. Didn't really work out from it. He's the annoying, but he's had a good season as well. They've made a good, solid uh, back line for them. The other player I was going to ask you about as well is, is Mitchell Pinnock. I, I remember when he moved from Tunbridge Angels to Dover and working as I was at the Courier, we were a bit sort of surprised that he'd moved up there, but he's bided his time a little bit and he's been a key player so far, hasn't he, this season? Yeah, he's come into the side. You know, only concern about him, he's very left-footed, so with Dover on the counter-attack, he's on his right foot. He's got to spin it onto his left, but he's come in, doesn't let the side down. You know, the last two seasons, you know, he's been on the bench, rarely getting on, but Chris Kinnear sees something in him and, and he's good from a set piece as well, which is you know, key for Dover because they, they pay for set pieces if they can get, get something from that. But he, he assisted that goal from Califuco uh, last night. And talking away for Dover on Saturday, you mentioned it to Manny there, they're flying, so there's going to be no uh, train issue. I hope they're not going with Monarch though, because that would be all sorts of problems. <laughs> but, um... No, I think they, I don't know they fly, I think. Uh, I don't actually know where they might be Lydon or something is it Lid? Lid Airport from that point of view but again you know Dover looks after pretty well by uh, Chairman Jim Parmenter as he said in that interview so um, you know that, that little bit of extra you know not sitting on a coach for seven hours going to Torquay can make the difference and most importantly they'll probably be back at home by eight o'clock as well and obviously Torquay last night they, they had four goals at half time against Maidenhead it, it finished 4-0 um, their first home win of the season so it's not going to be the easiest game of, of Dover's season is it? No, you know, I was quite pleased, pleased that um, Torquay beat Maiden there because, you know, you go to those sort of places and think, oh, you're hiding to nothing because Torquay are fighting for their lives. But, you know, they caught up Solihull a bit now as well. So, uh, I think that's the, the top, bottom five in the National League have all changed their managers now. That so shows what a tight division is. Yeah, such a tight division as we keep going on about. You know, a game is a point of bad result, depending on the other results around you, really. So, but it's getting tighter and tighter at the top. And, it, and it's such an exciting league. And, I think everybody you speak to thinks it, you know, it's totally wide open. It's only October, but eventually you thought it would have started spreading it out, but definitely not at the moment. Certainly not. Elsewhere on Tuesday night, it was a Kent derby at the Gallagher as uh, Bromley travelled to Mainstone. On Saturday, Mainstone had won 1-0 at Barrow and Bar uh, Bromley had lost by the same score against Tranmere. So he probably looked at it and thought, well, it'd be a home win for Mainstone, but Neil Smith's visitors were the, were the winners, 2-0. Good result for Bromley, that. Yeah, I say Bromley I'd be impressed with again a good you know, bouncing back from that you know, sickening defeat against uh, Tranmere on Saturday good away from home I thought they were good when they played Dover and, and, that's, a, and that's a good result from there I think uh, they saw us at a bit of a bogey time uh, Bromley from that point of view but Maystone probably kicking themselves you think they picked up one point from the last two uh, home games if they'd have picked up Maxford they'd be flying high at the top of the table so 
shows how you know, fine, fine margins in it after that great win against uh, uh, Barrow on Saturday. But that's the last time unbeaten record gone in the uh, National League. So that probably shows another, another stat that how tough the league is this year. Indeed, on Saturday, Bromley go to Gateshead, who who also lead a new manager after Neil Aspin went to Port Vale this morning. Um, and Maidstone at home again, they've got Geisley. Um, and last and by no means least in the in the National League, that we kept talking about them not winning enough. Well, Ebsfleet have now won three in a row. Um, Sean Shields scored twice on Saturday as they beat Halifax, and then they won 3-1 at Solihull on Tuesday night. And that was enough for Solihull to say, no, nope, we've had enough for you, and they've got rid of their manager. And Ebsfleet, who were looking like they are in a bit of strife, they're 11th now. Um, and Saturday, they're going to Macclesfield. And, and Macclesfield have gone top after Dover's draw on Tuesday night. So that'll be a tough game for them. But uh, uh, their form is a great boost for Darren McMahon, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I, I think I, I keep saying, I think I said it last I, I fancy absolutely to go for them. A, because they've got a very deep squad. You know, Dover's squad is not the deepest. They really need a few players from that point of view. And they've got the budget maybe to bring in a few more players. Uh, defensively, they look pretty solid as well. You know they're only five points off the top, and they play Macclesfield on Saturday, so that's a you know an early six pointer from that point of view. But you know you look at it, we were saying before too many draws, but you look at it, one defeat in fourteen, so they are tough to beat. And I, I think sides are got to be wary of Ebbsfleet. Uh, they're in the habit of winning matches again after the, after the, the draws. I think maybe this you know they just got used to the league not losing, and I think Ebbsfleet. Yeah, I think it will be certain sides looking at Ebbsfleet thinking. Here they come. So, yeah, really good run of form. And credit to Dalmont Marfom. He got a bit of criticism, but uh, he's getting used to this league now. And uh, I think uh, the side to watch out, people scoring goals. Kedwell, again, absolutely key. Might not be to play every 90 minutes or every week, but maybe his experience uh, could really help them out. So, uh, you know, I'm tipping Ebbsfleet at least to get in the playoffs at the moment. You said um, a six-pointer for them on Saturday. Every game's a six-pointer at the minute because no matter who you're playing, you're near them in the league, I think. But uh, <clears throat> there you go. Anyway, so let's have a look back now at the FA Cup from uh, from Saturday. We had five teams in action in the third qualifying round and three of them managed to put their spots in the fourth qualifying round. Um, we'll start by looking at where I went on Saturday, which was Margate against Turn Bay. Um, I didn't manage to get down there until about 2.40. And when I turned up there, I thought, well, there's going to be a big crowd here because there was nowhere to park on the streets. Uh, outside Hartsdown Park and I drove past the turnstiles looking for a space and there was a massive queue and I thought well this isn't looking very good um, fortunately by the time I'd got back up the road having parts down past the cricket club um, they'd opened up another turnstile and the queue had uh, dramatically fallen but in the end there were 1,009 fans in there to watch it which was a decent cup tie I thought on Saturday but Herne Bay were superb in the first half and they caused Margate more than a few problems but uh, at half time they brought on Chris Sessignon, did Margate, and uh, he really sort of gave them a bit of impetus, a bit of a push. They went up a gear, and two goals from Jordan Chiodosi did the job for Margate. Um, after the game, though, first of all, I spoke to Herne Bay joint boss Jermaine Darlington, who I spoke to in last week's show, and he was able to take plenty of positives from how his side performed. So, you know, obviously you're out of the FA Cup, you're disappointed, but your boys put up a really good fight today. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, everyone wants to go as far as they can in the FA Cup, especially like us, us lower league um, sides. You know, we want want that fairy tale side, that you know, club side where maybe we can uh, generate some money from and 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 you know, show our our levels of performance. Um, but like I say, apart from the result, totally pleased with the boys how they equipped themselves and, and passing, especially in the first half. Thought we was the much better side, and I think we pro- pro- probably had two penalty appeals as well. And the referee deemed it to be outside the box. 
you know, if we get one of them, it changes the game. I suppose, but you could look at it the other way. The, the decision that you made on at the other end um, when your keeper came out of the box and, and, and there was a, did he catch him or not? It could have gone either way, couldn't it? Yeah, definitely. You know, um, I mean, I, I didn't see it at the time, but um, a lot of the guys were saying that he didn't touch him. Um, you know, we don't have video evidence, <laughs> thankfully. But yeah, that definitely, that, that could have changed the game. Um, but luckily it went our way and um, kept us in the game. Obviously, you're a young side, and, and I guess your team will have gained a lot of experience, uh, good experience from this today, because you've come up against a lot of seasoned uh, semi-pros today, and you know they certainly gave a really good account of themselves and quit themselves well. And that's exactly what we said to them at the end of the game: is that you know you've made a good account for yourselves now that you can play it at this level, because you know, like you say, you've played against seasoned pros, ex-pros, you know, and you, and you totally managed the game um, to, to compete with them. So, you know, moving forward, we're totally happy. Um, and 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 confident. I suppose a thousand people here to see him as well. It must have been been good good experience as well. Definitely, you know that's one thing we was a bit worried about. You know, a lot of them haven't even played in front of hundred people. You know, at that time, so we was thinking maybe that, that that could affect them. But in the performance, it didn't show. I mean, obviously, from looking at your team, you're well set up. You've got a big, tall goalkeeper, two big, tall centre halves, pace up front. It's a recipe for success, anyway, isn't it? That's what we like to think. Yeah. But, um, you know, you got to get the result, though. You know, it's all right playing good football, but you got you got to get the results at the end of the day. And you know, although we didn't get the result today, you know, we're playing against a team that plays at a higher level. Um, you know, in our league, I think if we put out performances like that, there's no reason why we shouldn't be up or near the, near the top of the table. I think the thing is as well, it's a bit of a like a surprise package really because people didn't know what to expect from Herne Bay at the start of the season and I guess maybe you've taken some teams by surprise and you've just got to keep hoping that, that teams maybe ta- underestimate you a little bit I think that has been the case um, I think you're right yeah that has been the case and um, I've always said you know even when I played it's about the second season because now everyone knows what you're about you know now you've got to raise your levels again you know but um, as long as we can keep surprising teams and getting results I'll take it whichever way it comes well, Matt, they lost again on Tuesday night, Herne Bay, at home to Sittingbourne in the league. We'll come on to that in a minute. But from what I saw of them on Saturday, I was really impressed by Herne Bay. They're a good side. Um, at the start of the season, I think um, we thought they'd struggle a bit. But they're set up so well. They've got two... Their goalkeeper's about six foot seven. They've got two centre-halves who aren't much shorter than that. And um, particularly Nassim Dekali up front was a real handful for Herne Bay. And as Jermaine said there, they're going to learn so much from that experience, even though they lost on Saturday. Yeah, I think you know, they can look at the opening months of the season and think they've had a good time. A young, young side, not many players left from the side last year. Because Herne Bay, you know, basically a mid-table Ryman uh, South or uh, Devon Bostick South side. So I think they'll be delighted with that. I've had some good reports of some of their players. Jermaine Darlington's had a decent career. John Embry, they're working together, joint managers uh, from that point of view. But I think they should be pleased about that. They're going to may have some uh, downs on the way, but I think uh, there's... there's platform in place for them to go on. It's a well-run club, Herne Bay, as well. And uh, I'm pleased for them. I think, I think foundations are there. Again, maybe some ups and downs along the way this season, but maybe the next season they'll be building and the young players get a bit more experience. They could be one of the sides at the right end of the table. Yeah, well, the things, I mean, in, in that league, there's nothing to say if they can't put it on together. There's nothing to say they can't squeeze into the playoffs and then anything can happen. And, and you know, being up at that next level, talked about it quite often, but in, in that sort of area, there's a lot of teams in the Bostick South if you can be the one that gets out and gets into the Prem, you've got the pick of all the players in that area. And it can be a real opportunity for Herne Bay to grow. But as you say, you know, this year, I think they'll just take being mid-table this year. 
and then they can build on it next year. And and from what I saw from them on Saturday, they're they're certainly going to be a, a, a threat, and they're going to be hard to beat at that level. And and I mean, what of Margate as well? Um, it was good to catch up with some old pals down there. I heard a very funny story actually because uh, Chris Sessignon, um, obviously I don't know if you know Matt, but he's the older brother of the two guys at Fulham that are really good. Yeah, yeah. And um. When uh, our friend Ryan Day went to sign Chris Sessignon for Margate in the summer when he uh, agreed to stay on, uh, it was Ryan Sessignon who answered the door at the uh, Chateau Sessignon. And Ryan, fair play to him, said to him, any chance you would have signed as well? And Ryan just sort of, Ryan Sessignon sort of chuckled at him and went, I don't think you can afford me, mate, which isn't bad for a, for a 16-year-old lad. But uh, it's, it's nice to see that. And, and obviously Margate, that, Ryan was pretty nervous on the day, but he was delighted that they went through. Got home tie next up against Leatherhead, and um, after the after the game, I spoke to Franny Collin, who set up the second goal, and uh, he was very pleased that Margate managed to make it through. Job done today, isn't it? Yeah, we was. Um, I think we looked a bit leggy today, to be honest. Of Wednesday, Leatherhead a tough game. It um, took a lot out of us. It took probably forty five minutes to get going, but um, we always felt if we could up it five ten percent, we had enough to go and get a goal or two. And it, probably show through in the end. I suppose for you, you, you like scoring goals, but nice assist for, for your sort of strike partner anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm playing a little bit of a deep, more deeper role now, so um, obviously I still want to get on the sheet, probably tried a bit too hard towards the end and nick a goal, but um, yeah, like I say, Jordan's on fire at the minute in front of goal, so um, if he's scoring the goals and we're winning games, then uh, not to complain. <laughs> it's, it's going quite well so far, is it? Nine unbeaten, I understand? Yeah, it's nine now. Um, I think we set up to make sure we don't concede goals first and foremost. And if you do that, you're always picking points up and you always give you a chance if you can produce a little bit of the other end of um, winning games of football. And that's how we try and set our stall up. Be hard to beat first off. And um, we like to think we've got players in that final third that can create things for us. You've certainly got a, a, a good squad and, and credit to Steve. He's, he's brought, brought together a decent squad for this level. Yeah, I think um, obviously a lot of the boys know Steve well and um, know each other. Um, I think what he's done well is he's got a lot of players that know the level of one promotion out of the level um, and know what it takes to win games at this level. Like I say there's been games this season when we've not been at our best and today was definitely one of them. Um, but we've seen further way of winning games of football which um, over the course of seasons is a massive thing. And obviously Steve was, was a massive part in why you've come here I guess. I get it definitely. I mean obviously it was just part of why I went to Leverett, why I went to Hastings and why I'm here obviously. Um, but I mean, when he came here, like, the first thing was about telling us about me, um, replacing the pitch and the new owners, new plans, and um, it's exciting times. I mean, it's a good mix of players here. Like I say, a lot of players have won promotions, and there's a lot of players that want to go and play higher as well. So um, the balance of the squad is looking really good. Obviously, you've, you've been with him for a while. What, what does he bring? What, what sort of manager is he? Passionate as they come. Uh, know exactly where you stand with him. If you've not done your job, he's, whether he's your mate or whether he's not, you you'd be the first to be told um, and he's a winner and I think that's showing through in his teams now like I say there's games where we don't we're not at our best but we seem to have a way of winning games and that's what he was as a player um, and his team's a good reflection of it and I suppose the fact that there's a lot of you who do know each other you know like you obviously Rojo and everyone like that yeah you know, because you've played together before blending in as a new team probably wasn't as hard as it may have yeah, been elsewhere yeah definitely I mean I think um, I'm not sure don't quote me on it, but I'm not sure if there's a player from last year that started last season that started here this season. So it's basically an entirely new side. So, I mean, I've been a part of that before um, with Hastings, for example, last year, and it takes a long time for players to gel. But the fact everyone knew each other, has played um, with Steve before, knows Brownie as well and Mike, um, we seem to have clicked a lot quicker than maybe new teams tend to do. But um, 
it's a good start, but we're not getting carried away. We feel like there's more to come from us, to be fair, especially going forward. Um, we think we've got more goals in us. Um, but yeah, like I say, if we keep keeping clean sheets, we're not going to complain 1-0 or 4-0, it's still three points. There's a lot of playing it down, I think. So you're still just taking it, you know, aiming for the top ten first and then seeing where it takes you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's no secret of what someone like Bill Ricky's doing in this league. Um, and, you you know, you can't compete with teams like that financially, so there's no point trying to chase after what they're trying to do. But we click it off one game at a time, and um, we've always said we feel we're good enough to be a top six side. Um and I think we are. We're definitely a playoff team, um, and I think we've played at many of the good sides in this league now. And uh, I don't think there's anywhere using fear anyone. But yeah, we just take it one game at a time, really. I just speak to the gaffer at the start of the season, and, and you know the Billericay thing does take the pressure off you, doesn't it? Because everyone's expecting them to win. Yeah. So you know, there's no pressure on anyone else to get promoted this year. So you can just sort of bed yourselves in and, and see where you go. And if you yeah, get the playoffs, I mean, so don't get me wrong. Money doesn't guarantee you winning a league, but um, with the resources and players they brought in you you fully expect them to um to go on and win the league so maybe that does take pressure off us a little bit but i feel you know we put our best 11 out we was we'll give anyone in this league a game billowicki included so over the course of the year yeah the fact that they should they should be walking away with this league maybe yeah it takes the pressure off the likes of us and the other boys trying to get into that top uh, five i think for the playoffs um but yeah, we just we can't concentrate on anyone else. It's just about what we do, really. And obviously, just finally the FA Cup. You're, you're into the fourth qualifying round. The draws obviously on Monday. Um, but how much would it mean to this club to get into the first round proper? Massive. I mean, Gaffer and Brownie put in their team talk today. It's been 15 years since the club's been in the first round. And for you think of a club like Margate and the Conference South and higher end of the Ryman Prem, that's, a, that's well, it's too long, really. Um, so for us, if we can be the first side in 15 years to get in the first round, that's brilliant. It's another big step forward for the club. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of players actually. I didn't realise that haven't been in the first round in now. Some that have obviously, but a lot that haven't. Um, but yeah, for us, we'd love to get in that first round, um, get a nice draw, and put the club back on the map again. And you personally, how have you done in the cup? You, you had some good runs, or I have. Yeah, I mean, um, I've been in the first round a few times in the last four or five years, so. Love to get there again, obviously. Um, like I say, it'd be massive for the club. 15 years is too long for a club of this size. So, um, yeah, we'd love to get there. I'll tell you one thing I forgot to ask uh, Fanny Collin, which really annoyed me, was you and I have stood outside hundreds of dressing rooms in our careers and uh, there's always terrible music on, without a shadow of a doubt. It's grime, and oh, if that's what the kids call it these days, and all that stuff. Outside Margate's dressing room on Saturday, I could hear Rick Astley. And I was going to say to Fanny Collin, who's picking the music there? And uh, I, I did forget to, which was quite annoying. However, they've obviously got a really good team spirit there at Margate. They, they seem like a really close-knit bunch of lads. After Tuesday night, they're now 10 games unbeaten and they are looking like the real deal. Yeah, I think um, it's on a job. There seems to be a, a good feel-good factor around the club. Game. I think next week is a massive game for them in the FA Cup. I think uh, absolutely massive. Very solid at the back, Margate. Lenny Peachley, he's been round the house. He's brought T-shirts and very close he's been in. Solid in goal. Steve Watt, like all good managers, they say that the defenders make the best managers. He, he sorted the defence out. Um, they're not scoring. They've got, they've got goal scorers for Josie and Colin from that one. That's a good um, result against Tunbridge. It sounds like it, as if they've now finished playing each other on the 4th of October. It sounds like a bit more excited. But same as excitement as the first game, second game of the season was finished nil now. So maybe they're two even match sides. But that's a good thing for Margate in a game. How big is that FA Cup game? And they're desperate to get in the first round of the FA Cup on, on that point of view. But Steve Watt, again, will be delighted. And a good feel-good factor around Margate as well. So 
had a great attendance. I know there's a couple of hundred from uh, her base, the Kent Derby, but maybe it does show that there is support there for Margate if they do well. The only thing I will say, I mean, obviously, yeah, brilliant attendance because we, we saw, I saw other teams at that level and their crowds being pretty poor, but the atmosphere was pretty flat. I mean, since I was last year, there, there used to be a uncovered stand down the down the coffin end, as they call it. Um, that's now gone completely. So there was just there's not there's no roof for anything down there. And the biggest atmosphere was coming from Herne Bay's town crier, who turned up in his full regalia and with his bell. Um, and it was it, it it was a little bit flat. And he, and he just kind of you know you want the Margate fans when there's a thousand of them in there to be making just a little bit more noise and trying to roar them on. And hopefully when they play Leatherhead next Saturday, it, they're in the middle of a run of four away league games in a row. So they're back at home next Saturday. It'll be a big opportunity to get lots of people in, make some noise, and hopefully they can build on it and, and get through. Um, elsewhere in the FA Cup, Phoenix Sports, is, it's over for them. They bowed out at Enfield, and Enfield's uh, reward is a, is a game against Maidstone in the fourth qualifying round. Um, Folkestone made it through. They will play Slough after beating Aylesbury. And Alfie Pavey scored a perfect hat-trick, apparently, as Dartford breezed past Needham Market 6-1. There's an example. There was 380 people there at, the, at that game. Dartford now go to Burgess Hill, which I think is a bit of a, ch- a tough tie. Um, elsewhere in the draw, Ebbsfleet will travel to East Thurrock after they beat Harlow in a replay. The tie of the round for us is Dover against Bromley. I-, I think we'll discuss that in a lot more detail next week, but surely that's a tie neither manager really wanted, Matt. Probably not, no. But at least you know you're going to get from either side from that point. You're not going into the unknown. Folks are probably going into the unknown. A little bit of slower on the 3G in a, in a different level from that to whatever the Midland League is called these days. Absolutely know about East Eric. So, yeah, it'll be a tough one. It could be a flip of the coin one, not the David Bromley game from that point of view, especially he's probably beaten Dover already. Yeah, and we'll move on. Anyway, so we'll discuss that next week when ahead of those games. I'm Chris Kinnear, Dover Athletic Manager. You're listening to Kent Non-League Podcast. This Saturday's Non-League Day and both of our National League South sides are having special offers in a bid to boost their attendances. Um, Dartford are offering £7 entry for all season ticket holders of league clubs and free entry for under-16s when they host Bognor Regis. And Welling United are offering entry for £10 to all season ticket holders at league clubs when they host Chippenham. Um, as we discussed with Jack Parkinson last week, they've got a few players missing for that one. But in the second part of our interview, Jack spoke of the good links that... Um, well in Jamie Coyle and himself have managed to get with some professional clubs as they look to have a good season and their hopes for the rest of the campaign. We've been following the close. You did have a bit of a slow start, but as you say, it's a young team. And, and, and what, I've, what I've found interesting is, you know, you've obviously used some contacts that you've got and you've brought in some good young players from, from league clubs on loan, like Eli Phipps, for example. Yeah, but between, obviously, it helps with me, Connie. Me and Coyle still playing. And obviously, the chairman was manager for years at Bromley. So between us, like Hugo, um, Tristan, we've got enough contact. So... It's been it's been a learning curve. Don't get me wrong. You know we've had to try and find an identity of the way we want to play, and you know hence the reason we've had to change a few players. And we've also been very unlucky as well. You know we lost to a last minute goal at Truro. Um, we lost to a penalty at home to, to Chelmsford as well as then uh, we were well on top against Bath away. And both Brady Goldberg, Tom Bradbrook both got injured in the first half, so we've had to change them. A midfielder we took on loan from Maystone, he's out for five weeks with an ankle injury. Gally Boulder. Um, slight tear in his hamstring, so he's been out for a month. So we've not we've not had the best of luck in terms of injuries, especially on a on a small budget which we've got. It's been tough, but on the flip side of it, you know, we've been quite fortunate that some pro clubs have been been kind to us. Um, Colchester uh, more so in letting us have Dylan and um, and Eli, and um, they've been really for us. 
What's, what's, what's the aim this season? I mean, as you say, you're a new team, you, you're trying to build. I mean, have you set out where you want to finish or is it just a matter of taking it each game as it comes? Like we want to we want to finish higher than what the club did last year, um, you know, and that was that wasn't it wasn't a good year, and no one was trying to hide behind that. But as a, as a player, you know, obviously, you know, I finished the season at Maidenhead last year, and I won this league. So for me, you know, you want to you want to be in around the playoffs, but everyone has to understand we've got half the budget for what, what the club had last year, and we're all trying to work hard behind the scenes to finish above where we did. But in house, I'm sure you. You can get where I'm going with this in house. We want to we want to finish as high as we possibly can, and we're not going to get too carried away with anything by any stretch of imagination because there'll be a lot more twists and turns yet. But if we can um, if we can keep people fit, which is, which is key for us, you know, we fancy that we'll be we can finish in the top half of the league, and you know that'll be a, that'll be a successful season for us. And just finally, I mean, I know you're obviously a player who's played for a lot of Kent clubs. You, you, we talk a lot about about other teams in Kent, and one we talk about is Dover. What is Chris Kinnear's secret? Any ideas? <laughs> yeah, look, you know, players that play for Chris will moan that the, the way that, that Chris plays, he's very direct, and supporters will moan he's very direct. But look, what he does do and what he does very well is he simplifies everybody's jobs. You know, he's got this 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 man for man marking that works, and he gets players that come into the team that suit his system. That he simplifies everybody's jobs. You know, defenders know that everybody on the pitch knows they've got a man to follow and a man to stop which makes it easy to start with. Secondly, you know, they get the ball forward as quick as they possibly can. And Chris always signs, make sure he's got some really good forwards amongst the, amongst the squad. And he's done that again this year. And obviously he had some really good ones last year with Milty and uh, year before he had Payne, Modest, uh, Moses. So, you know, it's, I think, make, keeping everybody's job very simple and everybody knowing their jobs, I think, you know, it goes a long way. And I think there's a lot of clubs in Kent, uh, you know, Jay's done terrific at, uh, at Maystone, and there's a lot of others as well that just, you know, if you think for players, if you know your jobs and you know the way that you play, you've got an identity, you're always going to have a chance. I think Chris has got that down to a T. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough for Welling on uh, on Saturday, really, when they're without so many key players. But they had a friendly match on Tuesday night after not playing at the weekend, they won 5-0. They're in, they're in good shape and chipping them. It's a long way to come. They probably won't fancy it. And, and Welling will be hopeful they can build on that win they had a fortnight ago. Yeah, I think um, it's good that they're at home with missing a, a few players from that point of view. And maybe the week hasn't done them too bad with the injuries and suspension. They can work on a few things on the training ground, etc. I haven't seen if they've got a goalkeeper in yet. That was their biggest concern, I think, uh, from that point of view. But I'm sure they'll sign somebody out. Jack and uh, Jamie Coyle will be uh, searching the, the players for that point of view. Yeah, but again, a, a win against Chippenham and you know, they could go into the sort of playoff position near enough uh, well in. So that'll be a, a good one from them again. Seem to think the thing is, the key thing is that great win against Hamden Waterloo but is following up with a with a win at home there against Chippenham, and hopefully they've got enough quality and depth in the squad of missing those players we mentioned before, but they can do that. Yeah, consistency is always key, isn't it? And non-league day, I mean, I don't know what you make of it, Matt. I remember a few years ago, I was going to a game on a league non-league day, and in the build-up in the week, I said to my mum, "Oh, it's a big weekend, mum. It's non non-league day," and she said. Oh, what does that mean, teams who, who don't play in organised leagues? And I was like, well, no, I had to sort of explain to her what non-league football meant. Um, it's a good initiative, non-league day. But it always I know they try and put it around an, an, an international break to maximise it, but it always seems to fall on a cup weekend, which is frustrating because all the teams are in the FA Trophy. It's a lot harder for them to do special ticket offers, reduce prices, etc. Um, and I mean, we're non-league fans and, and and some would say experts but if they've listened to this for the last 10 weeks they, they may not but I guess we think every Saturday should be non-league day don't we? 
Yeah, when he first came out, I thought it was a bit patronising, to be honest. Um, on non league day, or go and go and watch your local side, you know, because you don't want to watch Manchester United. So it's grown into something better. I think you've made a good point there that maybe it should be a week when it hasn't got the FA trophy because clubs can't give away um, tickets away on that because clubs will lose out on that sort of thing. But yeah, it's a showcase from that point of view. I, I do find it it's still a bit patronising by the by the bigger clubs and maybe the bigger mainstream media. Although there is football going on down below at different leagues, so from that point of view, it's it's quite a it does annoy me a little bit. But it's what's good. It be interesting to see if there's any statistical analysis that can say, oh yes, on this particular weekend everything goes sky high on the attendance. I don't know if that works or not, but in my eyes, everybody's not need to, every every Saturday's not need day. It's very interesting, actually, because um, I think my, my views on my former employers, Trinity Mirror, are, are pretty well known if you've ever followed me on social media. But um, they basically have completely stopped covering non-league football, um, certainly in Kent, uh, apart from the odd Dover bit and piece and, and maybe the odd interview with Margate. Um, and it really frustrates me that all of a sudden this weekend, I, I've set up on my tweet deck, I've set up a little thing for non-league day. And all of a sudden, they're very interested producing a little map put in your postcode and we'll show you where your nearest non-league games are. I mean, it's it's using the usual maps um, software that thinks that South End is 10 kilometres away from my house in uh, in Sittingbourne, so suggesting that I go over to Essex for, uh, for some games in non-league football. But they seem, it is, everyone seems to be getting on the bandwagon for this. And I don't know why they all of a sudden think this weekend is, is more important than everything. These teams are playing 50 games a season. Why is it only this one weekend that the national newspapers are interested? Yeah, that sort of annoys me a little bit from that point of view, you know. Oh, 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 our big boys are playing, let's go and watch the, the, the park football, as they probably, some of them describe it from that point of view. But yeah, again, it's good, more more advertising. But to be fair, you know, the higher end of the National League, the, the coverage that some of the sides get, you know, you think the BT thing, it is a more main frame. But this should be for, for the likes of the VCDs and the Ramsgates and the, uh, the sides like that, that are based, that get more people through the gates. And hopefully it'll work out, but... I just find it a little bit too bit patronising, to be honest. Yeah, well, we'll move on from that into the Bostick League. And Margate and Tunbridge Angels, we've already mentioned it, played for the second time this season. And those two games have produced a total of no goals. Um, but Margate, as we've said earlier, are moving in the right direction. Angels, they lost on Saturday at Kingstonian. And they've also lost Damien Scannell this week after the winger announced his retirement due to injury. And, and obviously, he's, he's an experienced player, 32 years old, and a bit of a blow, blow for him and a bit of a blow for Tunbridge Angels. Yeah, I think it is a bit of a blow um, from that point of view. Scannell was a, a good wide player, um, experienced, always never really let himself let, let the side down. But again, it's wear and tear, so maybe he's got too much of him. Of course, we overshadowed by his brother, who had a, a football league career a bit more than that. But he's always a, a decent player, I think, from that level. And we wish him well for the future. Yeah, and elsewhere, folks, in that they lost at Merston on Tuesday night. Um, this weekend, Margate go to Enfield. Folkestone go to Met Police and Angels are at home to Wingate. So chances there. And, and moving to the Bostick South, there were some derby games on Tuesday night. And I think your email to me on Tuesday night when you sent me the Manny Parry clip, it's where we'll start. Faversham's woes go on with the defeat to Ramsgate. You think Ray Turner's going to be under a bit of pressure there? Yeah, he's been there a long time. He's probably one of the long-serving managers in non-league football. You know, normally they're always at the right end of the table, um, Faversham. You see them third, fourth and bottom. You know, not winning football matches. They've got experience. Manager Ray Turner, Clive Walker alongside him. You think some of the players they've got playing on there. Matt Bourne's been around the houses. Carl Rook's been around the houses. I think Rook was actually sent off again last night. I just don't know where, where it's gone wrong for them this season. Um, they always used to be in the playoff positions. Just 
one of those things, you know, Ray, Ray Turner's a, a nice guy, but maybe Fabrician are thinking maybe it's time for a change from that point of view. He probably needs to pick up results and results fast. I mean, he could be out of a job. You know, there's probably a, a lot of people who are involved in Kent that if that job comes up, I'm not saying it's going to, um, could be thinking that they'd like that job as well. So a well-run club, as you saw, John, with good facilities as well. Yeah, I really like Faversham and I really like Ray Turner, actually. He's always a, a very personable chap, but it's the age-old thing, isn't it? Sometimes we all moan about the need for stabilities for managers, but he's been there a long time, as you say, and they're, they're still at the same level as they were. They, they've they've had some highs, they've been in the playoffs, they've had good cup runs, but when you're down the bottom of that league, you've got to start looking at things. I, I always remember, I'm not particularly a fan of him, but Simon Jordan pointing out, everyone was saying, oh, crew are amazing, they've stuck with Dario Grady for so long. And he just said, well, yeah, they have stuck with him, but where's it got them? They're exactly where they were when he started. So sometimes that longevity, it can, it, and I'm not saying this is what's happened at Faversham, but it, things can get a bit stale. You can find yourself, you know, you've got, especially at this level, managers have got the players that they like. They've got their players. Have those players always going to be able to keep performing for that same manager week after week and still have the desire to keep performing for the same club? And, and I guess that's the quandary that, that Faversham are in. Personally, I think they'll stick with Ray Turner. And I hope they do because he, he, as I say, he's a nice guy, and I'm sure he can turn it round. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think the point you made in there about desire is probably true. You know, they've had some playoff defeats, haven't they? And I think, you think, you know, and Ray Turner's done a good job over the last few years. You know, when the season comes around again, June, July time, it's the right get the players up, motivate them for the season to come again. From that point of view, it just hasn't really worked out for them this season as well. And losing at home to Guernsey with a Matt Bourne being sent off rooks and off against Ramsgate last night. You know, Ramsgate haven't been pulling up many trees and that's, that might be their first home win of the season from that point of view. So, yeah, it's a difficult one. I hope it works out for Ray Turner, but he's going to be under pressure. We've seen some other Kent sides uh, get rid of their managers this season as well and hoping for the upturn in form. So, again, he's really got a big weekend upcoming for him this weekend. Um, from that point of view, uh, on the fixture-wise, who they got this week, they back in the trophy, are they? Yeah, at Waltham Abbey, so um, yeah. unknown quantity really, which is which is always going to be tough for them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But again, yeah, we're going under no pressure in that point of view, but uh, he is under pressure, and um, that's a real a real shock for them. And you compare it to, to City Ball, who'll probably be one of the success stories this season. Absolutely. I was going to move on to Sittimon. As things stand, as we record this, it's half past one on Wednesday lunchtime. Um, Sittimon are actually top of the uh, of the Bostick South League after um, their uh, 2-1-0 wins this week. They beat Hyde on Saturday and Herne Bay on Tuesday night. It's, it's a brilliant effort for, from Nick Davis to have Sittimon where they are. And I've actually this morning read a really good article by Craig Tucker at the Kent Messenger um, surrounding Lex Allen, a young teenager that Sittingbourne have got. He's, he's out of the team at the minute, but I saw him play the other week in the young centre-half. He looks like a really good player and he's been linked with your Crystal Palaces and Fulham are apparently looking at him. He's been training with Millwall. And what was really interesting in that article was Nick Davis saying, I really don't know where he'll be better off. Could he be better off going and playing under-23 football at a football league club and getting training every day or playing matches for us? And, and that is the interesting quandary that's facing so many people at this level. But if Sitmore can get some good money for him, they'll be able to build, get some more young players in. And the kudos they'll get from other players, that one of them, another player who's played for Sitmore has been noticed. I mean, obviously Harry Smith went via Folkestone, but he's gone into the league as well. But that, that'd be really good for Sitmore as a club if, if a top flight or championship side does indeed sign one of their young players. Yeah, I think Nick Davis done a brilliant job at that point. He lost a lot of these players. A lot of them went to, a lot of the younger players went to Herne Bay uh, because of the 
to the Darlington and Embry situation. But yeah, I hope again good things about this young lad. You made a point as well there. Now I've seen a lot of players who come from playing under twenty three uh, reserve football, academy football, to the to the uh, to the non league game, either the National League South or or the Devon Bostick. So um, and they and they struggle. So from that point of view, he's learning against big ugly centre forwards in this division at seventeen years of age. Um, from that point of view, and that's in my eyes, from seeing a lot of them, it's better learning than playing academy football when it really doesn't matter. And it, you know, at this point for Sydneyborn, every point matters because Sydneyborn could be a, a Devon Bostick Premier Club with the way they're going at the moment. It's been an absolutely fantastic start for them. And Nick Davis may be one of the managers to watch in the future. Certainly, yeah. And I mean, we'll look at Ramsgate quickly as well because obviously they beat Faversham three two on Tuesday night. But what a week it's been for them! Thirteen goals in their two in their two games. With three one up at Carl Shorten on Saturday, thanks to Roy Smith's hat trick. Thought oh, this is all looking good. Then they were four three down and need a last minute goal from their skipper Joe Kane to get them a point, which is absolute madness. But Lloyd Blackman, as you said, it was their first home win of the season in the league on Tuesday night. He's going to be really pleased with that and and something to build on. They're at home to Berry Town on uh, on Saturday in the in the trophy again. Bit of an unknown quantity, but they can take so much heart from it. But the problem Ramsgate has had is they, they've had other results where they can take heart from it and they haven't managed to build on it. You look at their FA Cup exploits when they beat Egham um, in that replay, we thought, oh, they can really build on that. And then they had a limp defeat home to South Park. And it, it's the same as everywhere. Consistency is the key. Yeah, I think, yeah, Beverly Town is a long trip from Norfolk Way and around Suffolk Way around that point of view. So you want to you want to lose utilise that with Ramsgate being the home side, yeah. Ramsgate again got some good young players from that point of view. Um, that was probably a big winner for against them against Favisham. Probably a good time to play Favisham and just beat through Favisham quotes. I think Lloyd Blackman again. There are a lot of like, a lot of the sides in the Devon Bostick, in the Devon, the Devon Bostick South Division. Uh, you know you're building for the future. You've got a lot of young lads in, and some of these players who been at like Kent Academies and coming to these sides, getting games of football. But again, Ramsgate from their point of view, just building, building, get some experience in these players and where they can go from there. And, Maybe they've got, a, they've got a couple of gems as well that could probably go and play a higher level. So, yeah, getting consistency is the key for them. Yeah, I mean, elsewhere, Hyde bounced back on Tuesday night after the losing to, to Sittingbourne and beat Thamesmead 2-1, Hyde the 7th. And I bet Ashford are glad to see the back of South Park, who walloped them in the second game of the season back in August and beat them 4-0 on Tuesday night at Homelands. Um, Cray and Phoenix play each other on Wednesday night in a, in another sort of derby. At Thamesmead, that's what I mean. You know, think about them. They're so close to beating Billerick in the FA Cup. They went out in the replay. And since then, the results have gone really bad. And you spoke to Tommy Royal on the show before, you know, about getting consistency and working with the players. I bet he's bitterly disappointed from showing what performances they can achieve and what they are achieving at the moment. Because, you know, conceding goals, going up, winning, you know, they were two up, I think, on Saturday and lost four to two. So he knows they can do it. It's just, again, they seem to have gone off, you know, got off the boil a little bit. Maybe that bit of Ricky game took them more out than they thought. Absolutely. Um, so the FA Trophy, as, as we've already sort of touched on, Ashford play Sittingbourne and Cray face Horsham. They're the only ones where they're meeting from the same division. Um, Herm Bay go to Chessant. Uh, Ramsgate, Berry Town, as we already mentioned. VCD host Bedfont Town. Faversham at Waltham Abbey. And Thamesby play AFC Hornchurch. And Hythe Town go to Kempston Rovers. Um, quite a lot of times. I quite like it when the uh, Bostick South teams play Bostick North teams because I think it, it can show which ones are stronger and I'm a big fan that I think this, our league, the South, is, is much stronger than the other. So it's a chance for these guy, guys to prove and I mean Kempton are in the Southern League. I think Bedfont are as well. So, um, you know, a, a lot of challenges and it's it's a funny thing, the FA Trophy because obviously when the when they extended the, uh, the Isthmian League to include more teams, these teams 
at this level, your highs, your your Ramsgates, everyone, who were Kent League staples, went from having half a chance of doing well in the Vars to being fodder in the FA Trophy. I, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn when I say all the teams who start their FA Trophy run this Saturday, none of them will reach the last 16 because it's, it's such a big competition. You know, the gulf between Ramsgate and Dover is absolutely massive. And, and I personally don't see the point in having the teams in those South and North leagues of the Bostick League in the same cup competition as Dover and expecting them to do well in it. Yeah, I, I think that's a bit of a game. Again, it's a competition that seems to go on forever. I think the good thing about it is you might get £3,000 to actually win the game from that point of view. Yeah, yeah. I think that these sides are starting out today will probably get very far. You might get fewer from that point of view. But again, they probably know as well that they're not going to win the company. He hasn't got the sort of same gravitas uh, as, as the FA Cup, has it? You might get some publicity. If, for example, Hightown won three games on the spin, they're probably still not even going to, you know, they're probably still in the first whatever round it will be from that point of view. And they're not going to get any media coverage from it as well. If they did that in the FA Cup, the, the, the press will be all over and think they can do well on it. Yeah, it's a strange competition. Again, maybe need a little bit of spark from the FA to change it around a little bit uh, from that point of view. But again, if you said that maybe the South Side should go in the Vars, you probably have a lot of complaints because then the, even lower teams might not have a chance in the Vars. So it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword, really. It really is. Um, talking of cup competitions, actually, that we don't have a lot of love for sometimes, um, the Kent Senior Cup quarterfinals were drawn last week and there are actually some really tasty ties. Uh, Dover, your boys against Folkestone. And if Gillingham beat Phoenix Sports, it's going to be Maidstone against Gillingham in, in the quarterfinals. And that's an interesting tie, that one. It, 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 Oliver Ash apparently wrote in his programme notes at Maidstone last week that it's a bit of a double-edged sword for them because it'll be the first time that the two clubs have met since Maidstone were in the Football League. And worry that the old hooligans would maybe rear their ugly heads at the Gallagher. But th those are the sort of ties that do breathe a little bit of life into that competition. And if Maidstone were to play Gillingham, I think that that would give a lot more interest into the Kent Senior Cup. Well, not in my eyes, to be honest. It's a dead competition, but I would have thought it would be Maidstone Academy against Gillingham Academy. Again, whenever these games have got to be played for by the end of October... Teams have got other things, competitions to worry about. I say we'd love to get somebody from the Kent AFL. I know we've been pretty critical of the Kent Senior Cup as a competition. Um, and from that point of view, it would be great if somebody from the Kent AFL could, you know, could talk to us about it and what we should be doing. And we could big up this competition. But again, your diehard Bainstone fan, you know, all of the thoughts too bothered if they're playing Gillingham in the Kent Senior Cup. And I'm sure the diehard Gillingham fan could give two monkeys about it. You know, they're not too bothered about the JPT until you get to the semi final. So. The quarterfinals of the Kent Senior Cup is really not, I would have thought, going to uh, get the, you know, spark the interest of some of these people. But I could be, you know, talking out of turn there, but it'd be good if somebody from the Kent FA could come on the show. Really. I am working on that one, actually. I, I think I may have made some inroads with that one. I will try and look to do that ahead of the quarterfinal ties, I think, in a, in a few weeks' time. My suggestion I'm going to put to them, if I do speak to them, is either start the thing in February or play it in pre-season. And I actually floated that pre-season idea to a couple of people at the weekend and they said, that's not a bad one. Because pre-season friendlies, why not give them a bit of something that means something, have a bit of a cup competition. You can move them around at, at different times and I think that would be advantageous. Anyway, um, let's just finish off by having a quick look at the Southern Counties East League. Still an unbalanced league table. Uh, AFC Croydon, obviously not one of ours, are top with 20 points. The next four teams below them all have 19, including Seven Oaks, you've got two games in hand. Um, Sheppey, Whitstable, Canterbury and Deal are all, are all looking pretty handy in the league. 
Um, at the other end, it's looking pretty bleak for, for teams in the Medway area. Hollands and Blair, Chatham and Rochester are three of the bottom four. Not far above them are Tunbridge Wells. and uh, They were hammered by Canterbury at the weekend. I thought they were really good when I saw them at Sheppey um, a week ago Saturday. But they've lost the last two games 5-1. And, and that's not acceptable for a, a club the size of Tunbridge Wells in that league. No, I think that you know they've got feelings they should be at the higher end of the table conceding goals, which is disappointing. Doing that, they'll have to look at that uh, from that point of view. But again, the side I'm looking at is Chatham, really. Uh, a couple of seasons when Dover were in the um, Devon Bostick or the Ryman Premier, they think they did the, or the South, they did the double over Dover one year. But where are they now? 19th in the scaffold, really, really struggling off the field. They seem to have problems. They've got a new manager in, but you know, Chatham, you know, a club you need to get three, four hundred every week, but just gone downhill from that point of view. I can't really see how they can sort it out. You think five defeats from away from home, two goals, 14 conceded. It's it's a real shame for a club that, you know, a bit of a soft spot for. Mm, absolutely. Well, it's a, another jam-packed week, as I say. One thing I we I was going to mention earlier is, obviously, the FA Cup draw. Um, you sent me an idea of, your, of what tie you think the BBC are going to plump for, and you said you wanted to... Uh, redact it after hearing something about Eastley's pitch. So, what's your choice now? Well, I, I thought the BBC would like the Hereford against uh, Eastley, but Eastley might have to rip up their pitch. I mean, they've been a bloody home game for a while. Maybe the BBC are going to get it. I'm, I think I'm going to go. They're going to go. The team I saw last night, Sutton United, they um, had a bit of a cup pedigree last year. I think they got Porton. I think Porton somewhere in the Devon, is it? So they're in Bristol. In Bristol way. Well, I don't know what level they're in. Probably a low, low level with the touch. So I think they're going to try and see the giant killers from last year be giant killed. So I'm going to go Portland with Sutton. Do you know what, Matt? I'm devastated because I have in front of me a bit of paper with my guess on it and I have written down in front of me Portland v Sutton. I thought Southfields could be on. But they have against Hartlepool, which is a bit of a local double. But Southfield's already been on, haven't they? They have, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, they obviously beat York, though. So it does go that sort of way. But I know that they were talking about how some people were saying they, they need to mix up the areas a bit. They haven't shown a team from the southwest yet. And Portland, I think, are the same level as, as your Ramsgates. I think they're in that division, do it, yeah. Southern League Division 1, South and West. And as exactly as you say, Sutton last year reached the, reached the fifth round or, or whatever it was, fourth, fifth round. Big Cup story. I think that would be the sensible choice. It brings back into into a Southern game, the Southwest, where they haven't had anyone yet. That that, that I I think that is what they're going to plump for. But having both having been wrong every other round so far, we're probably going to be miles away. It'll be I don't know Chorley again or something like that, or maybe even Dover against Bromley. How about that one? But you know, well, I really hope they don't choose the easy choice for them is to do Lake Norwich against Dagenham, which I think it would be. A- a kick in the teeth for some of the, the lower sides in that in that in the FA Cup. You've got a chance for a bit of money and a bit of um, exposure as well. But I'd be disappointed if they chose that. But that may be the obvious one they'll choose. It may be. So uh, where are you this weekend? Obviously, no no going for Dover. So no no no, no I'm not. My daughter's in the cross country, so I'm going to go and uh, watch that probably in the pouring rain. So no game this weekend. Again, but I'm looking for games coming up as well. And work permitted, I'll try and get out to. A few games as well, but uh, yeah, good stuff. I enjoyed, I enjoyed last night. I need to still get over that after the last equaliser. <laughs> also, have a bit, bit of a break. I, I obviously I didn't hear the commentary because Doctor Foster was on. I couldn't tear myself away from that. But I haven't watched that. I haven't watched that yet. I do, I've taped all five episodes, and I had discussions around the water pot as you do at work today. And it's 
Conventions, I should probably watch that. So, you know, but, so don't give any spoilers away. I won't, but I, I, I bet in your commentary last night you did get excited when Manny Parry scored, didn't you? Yeah, well, I didn't, and my uh, summarizer, Jason Byrne, did went into the Brazilian goal for a bit. So um, yeah, we did get excited, and they say more excited, more excited with the late equaliser than the last, a late, late equaliser rather than the win. So there you go. But that's what it's all about, right? Absolutely. Well, I, I may on Saturday. If I go anywhere, go to Dartford on Saturday. I think it might be nice to go and catch up there, see the see the goal scorers in action. Um, and then on Tuesday night, I've got an eye on Sheffield United against Canterbury in the scaffold. A couple of clubs who um, we both think are going to do quite well this season. So it might be nice to actually chat to some people there. And as I say, I went to Sheppey, what 10 days ago now, and, and I quite enjoyed it. So that should be quite entertaining. Um, and just finally, obviously, as always, thanks very much for listening uh, so we've done 10 episodes now and we're really enjoying doing it and listening figures are, are, are pretty pleasing. So thanks as always for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast and you can find us on Facebook. Apparently if you just search Kent Non-League uh, on Facebook, we we come up, which is quite handy. Um, if you're still listening on SoundCloud, don't forget you can listen um, via your podcast app on your phone because um, we are on iTunes and we're on TuneIn as well. Um, another fantastic week of non-league football in Kent. Um, really hope you enjoyed listening to the show. Matt, thanks as always, and I'll speak to you next week. Yeah, look forward to it. Lovely. Thanks very much, everyone. Bye.